This is Selects Season 2, Episode 2, Divine Dramedy. I was thinking about it, and all the podcasts that I listen to are either hosted by journalists or comedians. And shows that can walk the line between funny and informative have a special place in my heart right next to my bicuspid valve. Today I've got three stories for you. Climate Clowns feet Reggie Watts, Bill Burr doing some philosophizing, and then the true story of a real-life angel sighting. Let's begin. Welcome to Go Expo's keynote luncheon. Please welcome SK Wolf. First, I need to say how wonderful it is to see on all the faces here today the childlike exuberance of a great industry in full flower. But I'm not here today to pat us all on the back. I'm here to speak of Plan Bs. We at Exxon firmly believe that a free market will, if left to its own devices, always find solutions to the dilemmas that humanity faces. We're calling our new technology Vivolium. The product that the Yes Men were presenting at this, this corporate oil event um, was Vivolium. And this is a wonderful thing they thought of. Uh, we're going to render people down for their, you know, fat and grease and make that the oil that we're going to live off of, you know, to replace petroleum. And you know, petroleum is killing people anyway through pollution and climate change. So as more and more people die from the using of the petroleum, those dead people will provide more fuel through Vivolium. And now we begin the tribute video to Reggie Watts. And then they presented a video about this wonderful new product, Vivolium. You get to see this guy, who's actually Reggie Watts, this amazing musician and performer, speak as a Exxon worker who was dying because of cancer from working in the oil industry for so long. Worked in maintenance for a while. Moved up to uh, maintenance too, started doing cleanup. Toxic spill cleanup. So since he was dying anyway, and since he was such a good corporate drone, he was willing to have his body rendered to be the first sample of Vivolium to show how it works as his last dying act for the industry. I think I'd like to be a, a, a candle. There's just so many uses for a candle. I mean, you know, like if you, if you want something romantic, like that'd be nice to know I was a candle on table, you know, when people, uh, when they first met each other on a date. They then gave out these special candles for everyone to hold and light. And then they told them, the candles you're holding are made out of his body. They're made out of Vivolium. <laughs> I think that that would be great. I'd love that. That'd be, that'd be a hoot. Hey. Shut it down. Now. Shut it down. Now. I'm very sorry, but we've been uh, cut off. Obviously, as this madness was happening, they did get shut down. But of course, they had already gotten what we call earned media coverage. By getting a reaction and getting shut down, lots of media people are going to come to you and interview, why did you do this thing? What is this about? CTV News with Barb Higgins and Daryl Chans. Good evening. A bizarre situation today at the Go Expo Energy Conference at Stampede Park. Organizers and hundreds of oil and gas executives got duped. So one of the things they'll do is they'll create a website as almost a flytrap that represents the organization that they want to uh, present. And then they might wait for a little while and someone will click onto it. And uh, unfortunately for them, we'll invite the Yes Men, not understanding that it's them, uh, to come to their event to speak. So the Yes Men, um, get, the, get the nice thrift store shoot, get a tie, you got to look the part and show up having been invited to the event. <laughs> and then wonderful things happen. That's what they did for the Vivolium stunt. 
But these guys don't always use a fake website to draw in their prey. They've got a number of resourceful strategies. Sometimes they've been invited. Sometimes they just sneak in. Sometimes they create their own event and invite the press to the event. And then did this with Shell in The Hague. And um, for this one, uh, Mike was posing as the vice president of Shell's Ethical Affairs Committee. I'm very pleased to announce today that there is a new dawn rising at Shell, a new program that leverages the power of truth and reconciliation about our past to build a sustainable future. For many years... And they said, listen, we're here to apologize for the atrocities committed by our company in the Niger Delta and all the devastation that happened to people, destroying the land with no government oversight. And this all was, of course, an oil drilling project. We are sorry for the oil and gas spills that have made your rivers toxic. We are sorry for the gas flares that stink up your villages. We are sorry for the fact that you cannot eat your fish and that you cannot drink your water. We are sorry. The yes-men say, you know, we do identity correction. So if somebody like a big bank or corporation or political person in power is misrepresenting themselves, we will get in there and correct that. We'll impersonate them and have them say what they should really be saying. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a pretty good low-budget action. It's not like these things cost millions of dollars to do, but you get a lot of leverage. That was a clip from episode three of Stepping Up by Claire Schoen, featuring an interview with Larry Bogad of the Yes Men and a recording there of a young Reggie Watts. Stepping Up is a long-form narrative podcast about people who are fighting climate change from fresh angles. You can find a link to them and the other featured podcasts in the show notes or at selects.show, where you can also vote for your favorite pieces and help give the creators a little bit of feedback. All right, next up, we've got Bill Burr on Modern Day Philosophers discussing Adam Smith back in 2013. Hello, and welcome to Modern Day Philosophers. Modern Day Philosophers. Having failed to pay attention in school, Danny Lobel, now older and wiser, will attempt to learn basic philosophy 101. Our young hero will be joined by today's top comedians, philosophers all their own. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Danny Lobel. All right, we are here with uh, one of I'll, I'll be I'll be flattering to your face. You are one of my favorite comedians, Bill. All right, I'll take it. Thank you for being here. Getting better, Dad. Taking compliments. Thank you. Me as I too. As I look around the room, I'm not getting them as much as you, but I'm I'm finally starting to. Uh, <laughs> I used to reject them right away when somebody. That's was good. Like, then you had the proper uh, childhood to be a comedian. Yeah. I'm reading that new Johnny Carson book. You gotta, you gotta read it, man. The one that his lawyer wrote. His mother was brutal, brutal. Really. One of the stories. Not gonna ruin the book, but a quick excerpt. He, he sent his, uh, he sent his um, parents on a trip around the world, 48 day trip. They saw the world. Mm-hmm. So they're like 30 days in on the trip, and uh, they haven't called him, haven't. You know, nothing, didn't check in or anything, yada, yada. They get back, and he's waiting for the phone call. They're home for five days. No phone call. (laughs) So according to the book, now, this isn't Johnny saying this, you know, so take it with a grain of salt. But according to this lawyer, he said Johnny calls his mom up after five days and was just like, Mom. And she's like, yeah, hey. He's like, "Uh, how was it? 
And she's just like, oh, Johnny, we're just so happy to be home. <laughs> so he used to, I guess, relay these. It was a very, like, stand-up comic thing where he would relay these stories of um, unbelievable hurt and pain with his mom yeah. to his lawyer. And his lawyer, after hearing the story, would then just laugh. And then Johnny would laugh. And I, and I thought, like, that was really, like, the, the backbone of uh, just how... You go down the comedian route where if you actually like, oh, my God, Danny, that's so I feel so bad for you, blah, 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 blah. Then you're an actual like human being and you're probably going to get a real job. But if you just start laughing. Right. You have that. Uh, I don't know. That thing that makes me love and hate all comedians. <laughs> did, did you ever see that documentary uh, Wild Man Blues, the Woody Allen documentary about his jazz band? Oh, you, did I ever rent that one? The Rose is always, he's big Woody Allen. He is always telling me to rent those things. I, I watched a lot of, I don't think I rented that one though. That's a good one too. That's uh, Woody goes to his parents and they're like in their nineties and it's, I don't know if it was done like maybe 10, 15 years ago, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's these two 90 year old people, his parents are sitting there and they're still not proud of him at all. Oh, they're still, uh, they're still saying they wish he would have gone into There's got to be something out there. Career. Like, like where you can detox from heroin, same kind of thing, where there's got to be something where you can detox from parental improvement. If it's just terminal, I got great parents, thank God. They, they've always said that they're proud of me and they totally right. encourage me and everything. But there has to be, uh, at some point, you got to take control of your life and just be like, look, this has nothing to do with me. This has to do with whatever the hell happened to them yeah. as kids. And I need to... to break this thing because I definitely am through reading this Carson book. Like there's a lot of stuff that he does that I completely relate to. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things like, you know, the compliments, he doesn't like compliments. There's a lot of the, um, when somebody really needs him, it causes him to be cold and wall them off. Right. I'm not that guy anymore, but I used to be like that. And that, that definitely comes from, you know, uh, similar sort of background. It, it, it's just like an, I don't know. I think like an East coast, I don't know what it is. No, he was from Nebraska. But my parents were from the Midwest, so I don't know if it's there's that. I don't know. There's people who are just touchy. You're feely. trying to regionalize it, but I think it's it's probably just, spread out amongst you think everybody. So? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just well, I just kind of related to the uh, a little bit of the the, the coldness. And I just think coldness is too harsh to say about my upbringing. It was just not, you know, it was the love was implied. You know what I mean? Like I got hit by a car when I was a kid, and my mother. Her response was, well, that's what you get for riding in the street, you idiot. And that was her. <laughs> she, she was angry, I think, at the love she had for me mm-hmm. and the fear of losing me. Oh, yeah. That, so rather than like going, oh, my God, I, I don't you. ever use it. Yeah. yeah, it becomes like this. You get mad. If you could detox from having those kind of parents and then you knew that the risk of doing so might be you might be less funny, would you do it? Um, I don't think you can become less funny. So I would do it. You really don't think you'd be good? Yeah, there's, there's that thought that don't get too happy. Don't lose your edge. Don't mellow out. Don't blah, blah, blah. It's just like, you know, I, I don't think. I think that's it, a fear a lot of us have is that you can become less funny. You don't think it's possible? No, no, because you, you, what you have is the, you can now, what you can do is laugh at yourself. Well, I've gotten to the point now where I laugh at myself. I still have the temper, but I'm not the angry guy I was in my 20s and 30s where it was literally consuming my guts, it felt like. Um, now it's like, you know, I'm flipping out, and I'm as I'm doing it, I'm observing myself going, look at you losing your temper again. So, I mean, I've kind of gotten to that point. And then when I'm on stage where back in the day, 
I think it was more of like, you know, have you gone to any cell phone stores? What's up with that? It's more like now I'm kind of taking it from a place of like, so I go into the cell phone store, you know, I'm a real impatient guy. And I pick out the stuff that bugs me. But I'm also sort of like psychologically breaking down what an idiot I am for always taking the bait and getting this mad over so, a cell phone or, 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 or what, whatever the hell it is I'm trying to do. So, and I, and I think that it adds a uniqueness to what you're doing as opposed to, I mean, like, there's enough. Well, it's more self-aware, you know, it's yeah. definitely more self-aware, but I'll try and use that as a transition to get into, into the philosophy. Our, Let's do our it. Philosophy. So the guy Alex picked for you is Adam Smith. That Alex. might be the most boring name ever for a philosopher. Right. I thought it was going to be some sort of Greek name. <laughs> Adam Smith. Just Adam Smith. Did he change his name for that? Because what's in a name? <laughs> Probably had some 20-syllable last name. All right. Adam Smith. Adam Smith. Uh, I usually say when he lived from. He was from 1723 uh, to 1790, and he was a Scottish moral philosopher and pioneer of political economy. And, so. and he, he lived in Scotland? He lived in Scotland. He studied at uh, University of Glasgow. I'm going to Glasgow next month. Oh, yeah? I got a gig out there. Oh, cool. I'll and I like scotch. We, we hung out in Glasgow last time, briefly, at the, at at the stand. Club? Yeah. You know, I ran into those guys, Kevin Bridges and all those guys, when I was in New York doing oh, the Oh, I love Kevin Bridges. Oh, dude. There's nothing yeah. better than drinking with a Scottish guy. You can't understand him at the beginning of the night, by the end of the night. <laughs> Especially the Kevin. Hot, hot, hot. Hey, you fucking, hey, yeah. you fucking I like they don't say, yeah, they go, hey. You feel like you're hey. hanging out with a bunch of pirates. And, and he wrote the book Wealth of, The Wealth of Nations, which was published in 1776. Okay. Um, Bill Burr, Adam Smith. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I, added, I added a syllable. <laughs> moving up in the world. Alex picked him, he said, because he found somewhere that you are distrustful of bankers. Oh, yeah. They're, they're I the, am they're, too. But they're the biggest criminals on the planet. You go high enough up, they're literally counterfeiting money. I, just I'm distrustful it. of money. I don't even, you know, it's just. I, I just find it hilarious that, like, I just love that thing how we all work all week. And then when you're done, you just get this piece of paper with, like, numbers on it. And then you go down and you hand it to these guys who are some of the biggest criminals ever. We're too big to fail. You deal with it. You pay our tab. Like these absolute gangsters. And just still throughout all of it, you just hand it to them. These guys who gave like homeless people well, half a million dollar loans back for houses. Step, let's say you don't give them the piece of paper with the numbers on it. I still don't trust it. I don't trust the piece of paper with the numbers on it. That that's, right, that equals my work. It's a belief system. It, it, whenever I travel and do gigs overseas, I just what, what would you like, get paid in you know, barley and flour? Gold. I want the gold <laughs> standard. Yeah, you know what? That's better actually. That barley would be a good flour. mix: barley, flour, and some gold. <laughs> what you really want is silver. You're not gonna give somebody. <laughs> you don't give somebody gold for a sandwich. You give me. You give me some silver. That's worth like twenty bucks. Right. I you want know? something that like. A, I love your dogs, by the way. Yeah. Sorry about that. By the way, no, that dogs. That was your dog? Yeah. That's awesome. Dogs don't bu dogs barking don't bug me and babies crying on airplane do not bug me. Why don't babies cry on just because that's how babies are? You, uh, you just give them the, the No, but the, what beyond that they're expressing exactly what I'm feeling. The second <laughs> I get on there and I'm like, "Oh god, another 5-hour flight or whatever, 10-hour flight depending on where I'm going." They're just honest. You love their honesty. I would love to be able to do that. Let out a whale mm -hmm. and just get it out of you, you know? So <laughs> Just when I watch people putting their jackets in the overhead compartment as they're saying, don't put your jackets up there, right. and they're deliberately ignoring it. And in that moment, I see why it's never going to work. 
like how people are never, it, we're never going to get to a utopia. Yeah. Just in that moment of watching that guy as they're like, you know, people, please don't put your jackets up in the overhead <laughs> compartments until all the bags are up there. And somebody's stuffing this. I'm going to Antarctica, <laughs> snorkel jacket up there. When I just see that, that selfishness. Yeah. And I'm not judging the guy because I can relate because I'm selfish. And I just look at it and I go, that's right there is the reason. They didn't get to it yet in that clip, but the gimmick of modern day philosophers is to present a comedian with some famous quotes from a philosopher and let them sort through it and riff on it a bit. I think it works as a gimmick in that it gives the comedians a license to talk about their big picture views and you get to see another side of a performer who you might have heard in other places. So if you're a comedy nerd like me and looking for something fresh, Danny Lobel has interviewed a ton of heavy hitters like Bill Burr. Modern Philosophers is now on its ninth season and 98th episode. Check it out. Next up is our third and final clip. Some American teenagers meet a real-life angel in Germany. I'm Lauren. I'm, I'm Leyland. I met Lauren um, at this language camp. We had been sent to Germany, and we were supposed to be like youth ambassadors for the, like, the foreign <laughs> service, which you know, is a, like a fancy-sounding title for just kids going and getting drunk in Germany. And so that was our main thing, was to go and drink as many beers as possible, especially when we were first there. We like went out to hit the city of Bonn, which is not an impressive city no. by any means. It was the capital city of West Germany for a long time. And I remember like the main thing was uh, like McDonald's there. And we were like, well, we're not going to go to the McDonald's. we got to just go like get some beers at some bodega. <laughs> bodega. Yeah, it's just some bodega or <laughs> whatever, we whatever they called it, uh, and, and just get drunk. So we bought the beers. Our squad was like pretty eclectic. It was like us two and then like this girl, Shakan, who was kind of like the leader of the pack, like hip girl into art, drank in high school, did drugs. So we really looked up to her. And then this guy, Alex Gerber. The first time we met him, I think he was trying to flex this new tattoo he had gotten. He always wore just like a button down with no undershirt underneath it. And he would be like, you want want to see this tattoo? And he would like, undo like three two buttons like really sensuously <laughs> and he would like slowly reveal this like tattoo of a stag he had just gotten like right on his right breast and it, he'd probably call it a breast because he's that kind of guy totally and it was a, a stag and he was like yeah this is my family crest and uh you know, we were always hunters we're really tough uh, from the oregon outback so the only other thing to know about Alex Gerber was he had an acoustic guitar. Strapped to his back. Strapped to his back at all times, and he would whip it out if there was ever a pause in the conversation and start singing Maroon 5, Coldplay, Oasis. <laughs> yeah, he would just like, we'd sit down, he's like, so here's Wonderwall. You know, and he would always try to impress us like that. So we were out on the town, and we had bought these beers at this bodega. And Shakan and Alex were trying to sort of scheme to get these beers open. Because, of course, like, no one had a Swiss Army knife or, like, anything that could be used to open a beer. And, I mean, you could do the move. The Germans always do this move where they, like, get an edge. They get some, like, the edge of a surface, and they do this, like, very swift movement where they, they hold the beer in their dominant hand and sort of, like, and they, they like... Blast the bottle down on the edge of this table while the cap goes flying off. But I feel like none of us had been in Germany enough to even know about that. No, absolutely no one no. knew how to do this. This is like some German dark art. 
So we were struggling trying to do this. We definitely like made a spectacle of ourselves. Like we turned heads, we broke a bottle. And this this dude comes up to us. I don't know, he's maybe 55, 60. Um, and there was an added significance to this man because we were near a church. We were mm-hmm. facing a church and he had sort of emerged like, I remember like from a corner of the church. And he just like took all the bottles and just like lined them up. And he just grabbed it like, butz, 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 and just did each one of them like right in a row. Wait, but in my memory, he was doing it like one bottle with the other. No, you're totally right. Yeah, I which thought is he was cooler. doing the edge thing, but he No, was. he didn't no, even do the was... edge thing. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Which Mark. is hard. I don't know, like, I've never seen someone here do this. He opened all our bottles with all the other bottles. And we were just, like, starstruck, like, starstruck. what just happened? And, like, before we could even, like, ask him anything about him, not that we could communicate in German, he was, like, gone. Yeah, no, he just disappeared. We joked immediately after. Yeah, he's like our, our we joked that he's our or beer guardian angel. Two weeks later, I was just like sitting at home and the language camp was over. But Lauren sends everybody in the group this like... That was so good. This video. Sitting on the streets of Bonn, we had a perilous problem despite the many turns and twists those caps just wouldn't obey our and it was like like maybe the best song i've ever written but like a song just talking about our experience with this man opening our beer looked at us radiating love oh it was like clever it was kind of about like the bible and like giving people in the bible alcohol at different points if like someone was there to just like be like all the disciples need to get drunk right now which like they probably were getting drunk but i like thought it was clever when i was like 18. in the end we're all quite glad you solved the dilemma we had perhaps one day you'll reappear we'll sing this chorus drinking beers oh beer angel thou art divine you gave us the sagest advice we'll ever find Stepines always have at least swipe steps wide position one cap under and let the leveraging persevere. This story was produced by me, Danielle Fox, for Sayward, a narrative storytelling project from the WKCR Arts Department. Special thanks to Dan Singer and Emily Bogosian for editing help. And thanks so much for listening. That was The Ballad of the Beer Angel, produced by Danielle Fox. And that's it for this episode. Please vote for your favorite show and provide creators with some feedback. You can do that by going to selects.show or by clicking a link at the bottom of the show notes. The clip with the most votes by the 15th of June will win $100 and some generously donated prizes, an hour of Trent automated audio transcription, a noise-canceling plug-in from Isotope, and a subscription to Hindenburg Journalist Pro. If you're looking for something else to listen to, I'd recommend Caliphate by the New York Times. It's got amazing sound design. And, you know, there are a lot of interesting podcasts, but Caliphate is more than that. It's actually exciting, which is something that can be kind of hard for podcasts to pull off. Um, Malcolm Gladwell has a new season of his podcast out. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet, but I'm excited to. And Bill Burr, who is that comedian that you heard there on Modern Day Philosophers, He's got his own podcast. It's the only entertaining podcast I've ever listened to. 
that it's just a single person talking to themselves in a microphone. Uh, it's really a feat to, to pull that off. And, uh, you know, I go to them every now and then. If you want someone who's kind of like masculine, but has a thoughtful, everyman, kind of moderate view of the world, um, he's an interesting guy to, to check in with every once in a while. And I love the way he reads ads. He really, <laughs> he really uh, deconstructs the ad copy that they give him. Um, you know, I'd ask you to review us on the iTunes, but honestly, I'd much rather you go to selects.show and vote, help support the people who submitted clips, or even better, um, submit a clip of your own. The war chest is running a little light, so if you've been thinking about doing it in the past and haven't gotten around to it yet, please submit one now. Thanks.